Okay, so you're started. So, how did it all get started? Yeah, so, pretty wild. Um, pretty wild story, Chief. Uh, I was uh, toying with an idea of something about doing something like this. Originally, it was just a podcast, audio podcast, um, and so on. But I, I said if we were going to do, if I wanted to do a podcast, I was thinking, why not film it too, right? I mean, if we're going to do one thing, might as well do it all, right? Yeah. So, I was, um, I had this idea of, this love I have for the fire service. I've been doing this for almost 24 years now as a fireman. Um, I rode up in Poughkeepsie for five years when I was at Marist College. Oh, wow. I rode at Fairview. Okay. Um, and so on. So I became uh, a regular fixture in their firehouse for five years up there. I was one of just a few volunteers um, and really just had a passion for going out on runs and so on. And, and the career guys in the firehouse um, over a period of time started treating me like an equal. So it was nice to walk around the firehouse being treated um, as an equal, not a volunteer versus career or any of that, um, and so on. So for me, I took great pride in all that. Um, and I, I have such a passion for the fire service and all the brothers and the characters and the stories. So I was there five years, then moved back home, uh, and then ended up going out on my own, blah, blah, blah. And, and I've been a fireman for now 24 years. Um, Rob got hired at Fairview long after I was gone, so I never even knew Rob. Uh, yeah. What happened was um, I've stayed in touch over the years with guys from the firehouse up there. Uh, in fact, I was just up there on Sunday for a retirement party for uh, Craig Elderkin, who just retired um, out of Fairview. And so, um, and I, it's a funny story. I was there when he got hired. The night he got hired, I was I was there. Really? So, yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. So pretty funny. Um, so I was I was coming up with this idea that in 2018 I wanted to do a project that was mine. I worked for a family business. Uh, two brothers and a father, and I'm second generation, and it's always, it's family business, so you're always doing it for others, not just yourself, and it's not your own endeavor, it's a family business, and so on. So there's always this this thing gnawing at me that I just want to do something on my own, and love the fire service, didn't know what I wanted to do, so I said, you know what, I can roll out a podcast, I love to talk, I can talk all night long, and, and so on. So I said, you know, this would be good, but nobody wants to listen to just me, so I said, I got to find a partner, you know, somebody that would be willing to put up with my shit, and and so on. So now I only knew Rob. And he's like, oh, well, this will be a great idea. Let's call Rob. <laughs> yeah. So, so Rob, I knew, um, you know, being a career fireman up in New York State. And then he's also a volunteer down in PG County. Um, and then uh, just seeing like his, uh, you know, Facebook posts and things like that. And I've met him a handful of times at mutual parties and, you know, had a couple beers together. But the one thing about Rob and what, what, it, what made me really think of Rob was that I'm a, I'm a big traditionalist when it comes to the fire service. Um, I think that we need to treat the visitors to the firehouse with respect. I think we need to engage brothers when we see them. Uh, we need to welcome them into the firehouse. And you need one, a cup of coffee. Can I get you anything? Can you do this? Can I do that? That type of thing. And I think a lot of that's getting lost in the fire service, um, just the traditions and, and, and the camaraderie, if you will. Um, and so every time I would stop up at Fairview, uh, I have clients up in that area for work, so I would stop in the firehouse. You know, I've been gone. I left in 2018 years. I've been gone now from that firehouse, but I still stop in probably three, four, five times a year when I'm up that way. And every time I'd walk in, and Rob was working, he would engage me. And we would end up uh, telling a couple stories, having a couple laughs. He'd always ask if I wanted a cup of coffee. When Rob was working, the pot of coffee was always on. You know, that type of thing. And you don't always get that um, when you stop in. Not just there, but other places as well. You know, yeah. you don't you don't really get that camaraderie in some places. Yeah. If I want to try to stop and see Terry at work, 
I'm not allowed because the last time I tried to do a fucking train derailed in the middle of the city. I'm like, hey, I'm going to stop right. right. I'm yep, just coming that's down. Right. That's right. And then, that day. and then I called him and I'm like, what the hell? He's not answering his phone. It's just, whatever. And I look on like my Facebook thing. So it's like, there's a train derailment in Newburgh. And I'm like, no, no, I guess I'm not going to the firehouse. Yeah, right. Oh, that's funny. Hey, come back anytime. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Rob, Rob had that about him. And I kind of wanted somebody that I really didn't know. Because I wanted to learn his stories live when you're learning his stories. Yeah. And, and I, if I already know everything about him, uh, we don't bring that give and take because we already know too much about each other and yeah. we can finish each other's stories and we've all heard those stories before. But Rob, with just the, the couple stories that he has, I, you know, I'm learning more and more about him and I don't know those stories already. And so, um, so I reached out to him, clear blue. And I, I hit him up on a message on, like, Facebook or Instagram or something, right? Because yeah. I didn't have your phone number, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I reached out to him, and I said, uh, I said, hey, brother, I got this idea. I'm looking to roll out uh, a project, doing a podcast, video podcast type thing, and, you know, looking at culture and tradition and X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I want to just talk about topics. And uh, and so he just texts back. He's like, yeah, I'm in. You know? And, uh, and so we started from there. And then we got together a couple times. We talked about it. Came up with all these ideas. Let's talk about this. Let's do that. Let's do this. Let's do that. And then I'm thinking about, you know, and then as we got going, it's like, okay, but do they really want to just hear the two of us going back and forth about a topic for an hour? Like, you know, so we ended up uh, bringing in some guests and, and like yourself and what we've really zoned in on and what I think is hugely important is capturing, like we were talking about off camera before for everybody listening and watching, is we talked about capturing the characters in our business. And I think that has a lot to do with um, capturing culture and tradition by spot, putting a spotlight on the, the brothers and, and sisters that, that really bring something to the table that highlight our business, you know, and, and our love for the fire service. And for yourself, you were talking about before, you know, uh, in, in another podcast we met with the chief before talking about remembering his first, and you brought up um, the fact that you love hearing from the community how much the community loves the embrace of your firefighters. They put, they give back to the community, um, and and so on. So as a boss, I think that's, you know, it's heartwarming to hear it, such things. Yeah, and, absolutely. And yeah. so, how do we capture that? How do we spread the word that there's still a tremendous amount of good? And you know, I think the fire service is getting caught up in a lot of um, right and wrongs, black and white, uh, new school versus old school. These new kids don't listen; they're entitled. The old guys being cranky and don't want to do the job anymore. And and I think there's so much of that out there. And I think that there is such a, still a huge middle ground. And I think what we're trying to bring forth is saying, listen, you know, there is still a culture and there still is tradition in this business. And things might change a little bit, but things always change with time. Mm -hmm. But there is still that common good. And so what we're trying to bring forth in this platform, and it's not just remembering your first podcast. It's, it's sitting around discussing topics. It's we're going to be going out into the field and we're going to be visiting firehouses and discussing culture with uh, different firemen in their firehouses, in their environment, on their kitchen tables, on their front bumpers, and catching the spirit of what we all love about the fire job, you know, about the service. And, uh, and Rob, I don't know if you want to touch on it. But yeah, no, I mean, just like, I, even it's like, because you got to listen to the Salt Lake tape. I could call it the Salt Lake Tapes. Like, it's I like that. Like, no, that's top, cool. Top secret, yeah, right? right? Like, well, it is right now, but, right? Uh, yeah. Um, but, like, that, like, you listen to them talk, and, yeah. uh, like, you could you could definitely figure out that there was a, a culture of success in that fire station, 
and the engineer of the of the engine becky she she was like you know she was one part where she was like yeah like the guys know that they're gonna get this from me like i don't they don't have to tell me to send them water because i know that it takes them x amount of time to get this line stretched and you know i can look over and figure out yeah they're probably in position and i'll start sending them the water so when they say send it it's there and like like that's what like we wanted to capture i think and that that particular case, like we, you know, we went around and we did the first fire stuff, but then, yeah, like we really got, um, we got some good meat and potatoes of, of that fire station and pretty much I think that department, but, and they caught some hell of first fires. Jesus, I, the one guy I couldn't believe it. They, I don't want to spoiler alert anybody, but it was like he's like, yeah, like a couple people. I was like, oh, yeah, that was just, yeah, that's a first that's time. a rough start out of the gate, but, yeah, yeah. you know, and. Uh, you know, in, in, in my firehouse, in my fire department, you know, I used to think that the chiefs just moved guys around from group to group just because they could. Right. Like, I always, and, and it, it, it's it's always a big joke. And I actually bumped into this old chief a couple of years, uh, a couple, couple of days ago at a, at a dinner. And I always thought he just didn't like me. So he would just move my group. Well, I was a junior guy. So... When you have to move guys to fill vacation time or move guys to fill in because there's a you know there's two guys off on vacation at the same time that's the only reason he's doing it you're still going to go back to where you were most of the time and coming up through they always said ah you know july january 1st the the chief's going to just move everybody it's going to be like uh you know picking sides and, and kickball and I could never understand why would you do that? Why would you do that? Right, right. Mm-hmm. But of course, we always took it serious, and we're always, oh, where are we going to end up? And we never did. We always ended up. The groups always stayed the same. The shifts always stayed the same. It's almost like four separate fire departments in our department. Right. Yeah. Each shift is so unique, but they work, you know, so well together. Right. Like the newest guy comes in there, and it and it doesn't take long, and he finds his place you know like the guys figure him out right and um when uh we did our we we did a lot of hiring you know with these safer grants we did mm-hmm. we put 40 newberg firefighters through our own fire academies we've never done our own fire academies we did four of them so newberg guys and then we had guys from other departments also but 40 of them turned out to be newberg firemen some of them since left mm-hmm. you know transferred out but as the, as as the, as the academy was ending, get the instructors together. Okay, who belongs in what group? Yeah, and they have it all figured out. Right. You know, this guy is brand new, but he's just like the guy that retired seven years ago. This guy is brand new, but he's he'd fit perfect with that guy. And and they just almost pigeonholed these guys into these groups where they just. The chemistry was they thought was going to be right and mm-hmm. most of the time it's right it's 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 pretty incredible You're talking about salt lake you know watching that and i can i can put name tags yeah on these guys and and girl like they're just the same people i work with it's it's i was telling jeremy it's like and, and this is a term i didn't make this term but it's the same circus it's just different clowns no matter what firehouse you go to yeah it's always the same mm-hmm. you know and um you know about you know the, the coffee pot being on you know i see that 
still a lot. You know, yeah. I, I stop at firehouses whenever I can. Yeah. And um, maybe you don't see it all the time, but you still see it. But you still get to it. What you do still see in every firehouse is as soon as, you know, everybody wears something that says fire department on it. Right. Off duty. And I, I think it's more, it's not so much recognition for the public. It's recognition for the guys that are, that also do it because it's an instant icebreaker. Oh, you're from Newburgh? I, I'm from wherever, you know? You know this guy? Yeah. You're from that? You know this guy? Yeah. And instantly, all of a sudden, you have something in common. You start talking. Right. And, you know, what, 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 what starts off as like a, a two-minute stop at some strange firehouse to, you know, so, you're, so you're, you know, your wife can use the bathroom or whatever. Turns into a fifteen-minute, twenty-minute, half-hour conversation where she's talking. Come on, we gotta go. We right. Gotta go. You know, she yeah. doesn't understand it, but it you just click. You know, you get it, and it's paid and volunteer firehouses. You know, just any place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. Um, I, I I'll never forget being on the road. I was going on a PG, and I was in the, on a Jersey Turnpike, and at one of the rest stops, um, somebody was like they had locker keys in the car. And I used to run a lockout business uh, years ago, so I still have all my lockout tools in the car. And I looked in the window, and they had a, a union sticker. So, I, hey, you guys locked out of your car? Oh, yeah, we're, you know, we, we're going to call one of the service people over here. You know, they said it was going to be some mice. Ah, call them back. It's all right. I got a lockout kit. I'll get you in the car. And I what? I said, yeah, yeah, I see your union sticker there. I said, I'm on the job up in Poughkeepsie. I'll help you out. So I go get my tools. I unlocked your car for them. I'm like, yeah, you know, I was like, where are you guys, uh, you know, firefighters? Is, are you retired? And it was an older guy. He's like, oh, it's my, my son's actually a firefighter, and he just gave me the sticker and said, hey, put this on your car in case you ever get in trouble. I said, well, I guess it worked out today. Yep. And he tried to give me mine. He said, no, no, it's all right. Like, this is what we do. We take care of each other. And it's just one of those, like you said, it's that recognition of, of seeing that and being like, all right, I'm going to gonna help that person out. And then um, I still keep this uh, voicemail on my phone. Um, my fiance was working out in Providence, Rhode Island. And uh, I went out Great to see her. Great city. Yeah, love fire water, good time. Um, but uh, on the way home, I stopped to get something to eat. And this lady comes up to me, and she's like, you know, do you know where this is? And I said, no, nah, I'm not from around here. And she just, she was pissed. And she kind of like, it was exacerbated and walked away. And I said, well, hold on. I said, I'm just, so I, got a, I got a phone. I can Google anything. Like, what are you looking for? And she's like, I'm trying to get back to the, the, the turnpike. I, I can't get back to it. I said, all right, hey, I'm going there. I said, I just I ordered some food. Let me just get it. I'm getting it to go. You follow me. It'll be all right. Like, I'm, I'm going that way. I said, so I said, it's right up the street. I'll give you some directions. But like, because I do know where that is. But I said, you just follow me. So I gave her my business card. And I was union president at the time. And she just kind of like took the card and this like um, relief washed over her. And... So I said, this is my phone number. I said, call me if you get separated. I'll pull off the side of the road until you're right behind me again. And she goes, you know, um, I think she was from Wisconsin. And she, her, her husband was a lieutenant out in Wisconsin. And she said, like, yeah, he actually told me to go to a firehouse uh, if I ever got in trouble. And I went to the firehouse, and I've been, I've been lost for an hour and a half since going there. I said, well, I'm, hopefully I don't do that to you. I said, I'll get you to the, and her name is Ann. And uh, she followed me up to the to master and pipe and got her on. Uh, she called, yeah, I'm good, Robert. Thank you very much. And then like a, a week later, uh, I got called in the chief's office and I'm like, 
what now? Like I must have put something stupid <laughs> yep, on Facebook yep. again. Here we go again. Yeah. And uh, she she wrote a letter and called and told made her about what had happened. And like I just was I was completely flabbergasted because and then like she called me on the on she got my uh, she found my card and she called me and thanked me for for helping her out. And it was just you know it was just what we what we do. So I mean it's just the kind of like, yeah. stuff that we're we're about. I think you know, and at least I believe we're about. Yeah, I mean you know my my wife's all over the place for work and i like to think that you know she had a flat tire or something right. or just she needed the you know restroom or whatever you know that she could just somebody to help her out just because she's got the union sticker you know yeah, or they, she just mm-hmm. or she's wearing a fire department shirt right. yeah my husband and son are firemen you know and you, you know you always hope that and it's Maybe that's why we we do it for other people's families. You know, we just hope that that's going to happen for our family. Yeah, right? you know, I, I hope I hope that we pass that on to the more junior guys. Though we all love the fraternity of the fire service, and we all love the brotherhood. But you know, we have to make sure that we impress upon the generations after us the importance of going that extra mile. Um, you know, and I, I think that's and that's always that conversation. The new and I brought that up earlier. We were talking about. New school, old school, you know, mm-hmm. senior man, new guy. And, you know, it. okay, maybe the coffee pot's not on all the time, but it's more of that mentality of it, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, a symbolism of, of hospitality, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, we have, in my eyes, being a firefighter means you take charge in any situation. I mean, that's how I am, yeah. right? You're at your kid's little league game and something happens, who steps yeah. up? It's usually the firefighter, right? Yeah. Uh, something happens at a store or somebody's being uh, treated unfairly, usually we step in and, and it's that. And I, I hope that we impress that upon the, the brothers and sisters after us that there's that expectation that we are, we tend to be leaders. You know, in the fire service, as firefighters, we have to take initiative every single day. And we work as a team, yet every role we do is an individual role. And, and the greater good, right? We, we do our job as an individual on the fire ground. That all translates to the big picture as a team at the end that the fire goes out and we all go home safely. Mm-hmm. And so when you perform as an individual, not everybody's watching over your shoulder. And you hope that you have the right uh, demeanor and care and want to uh, work your ass off to get that job done, whether somebody's watching or not. And I think that's the more, that's a real important thing for me in the fire service is just impressing that upon the junior guys, me as a senior guy in my firehouse, trying to impress upon, it's not even uh, hooking the ceiling correctly or stretching the line correctly. It's also how do you conduct yourself? How do you talk to people? When we go on an activated fire alarm or a carbon monoxide alarm, how do you treat the homeowners? You know, are you, are you abrupt and rude? Are you courteous and polite? Uh, I know for myself, and I try, and Sebi can vouch for it, I try to make jokes with the people oh, yeah. to try to get them just to loosen up and understand that, you know, hey, you know, uh, you know, you have fun. Like, you know, yeah. and, and we're people too, and we have, and, and I like to think that the firefighters and the firehouse have big hearts for everybody. We're the center of the community a lot of times, and so on. So I think impressing that upon the junior guys, that it's not just how well you can stretch that line or how quick you can throw that ladder, but it's also the other stuff as a person that we have to make sure that we're good people and yeah. bring good values and, and you know, um, and, and bring forth that right type of uh, mentality, if you will, uh, because I think that goes a long way, and that also translates into how you operate at the firehouse. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. 
You know, you, you, you kind of hope it's almost like raising kids. Yeah. You know, without a doubt. And you just hope that, you know, at some point they're going to be making this decision by themselves. Right. And you hope they do the right thing. Right. You know, and, you know, and it, and it's not just, you know, you're not just watching your own kids. You're watching other guys. You know, it could be a mutual aid fire. I remember one time, mutual aid fire, and, and we're, we're getting all picked up, and we're ready to start pulling ceilings. Hold up, guys. And I just, I took the pictures off the wall. You know, they weren't paintings that you could buy at Walmart. They were pictures. Right, of the family pictures, yeah. Stuck them in the drawer. Mm-hmm. And then we had at it. I like to, you know, you hope that, you know, maybe the next time they went to a fire and they saw pictures on a wall before they started to pull the ceilings or knock the, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they took those two seconds. That's right. Yeah. And long after you leave, that family's going to be cleaning up. Ah, oh, you know, I had all those pictures and, and they're going to be cleaning up. And all of a sudden, those pictures are going to yeah. be there. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're in good shape. Right. You know, and um, it's just anything, you know, like uh, uh, we had a, we had a fire uh, a couple months ago, um, they they got two dogs out of a basement of this, you know, apartment building, and um, it was basement fire. The dogs they gave them oxygen. Um, you know, they're they're just dogs. Even if the person doesn't really think of them like a, a family member, they're still a living creature. Mm-hmm. These guys got down. You know, they're they're giving them oxygen. The dogs both survived. Um, I had, uh, you know, I, I was there. I was called in, you know, off duty, so I had my work car, but I had a couple of leashes in there, you know, just just leashes. So they didn't have any leashes or anything. Put a couple leashes on these dogs. Gave them back to the homeowner on a leash, you know. Oh, you know, that's so great. Whoever would have thought to carry leashes like that, you know. And this guy was just, mm-hmm. he was so happy that these guys took the time to bring his dogs up, make sure they got a little oxygen, you know, they were doing okay. And put put leashes on him. He could walk him away, you know, no yeah. problem. And it's just, it was so insignificant, you know, in the grand scheme of things. You know, it's fire in this apartment building. People are losing their, you know, their possessions and stuff. But they still, they took the time to do that. Yep. You know, just going in and finding car keys for somebody or, or right. medicine. You know, right. it's just mm-hmm. the lieutenant will be, yeah. or, or the captain will say, come on, we got to go in and find this stuff. And they'll go in. And how easy is it to just say, Chief, we couldn't find nothing? No, they will stay in there until they find what they're looking for, bring it out to the person. And this has a lot you know? to do with the lost art of salvage, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. but it's, you know, it's that other side of the job. But what is this, the salvage, you know? I mean, possessions can be replaced, but there's just some things just have more value than money. Correct. You know, and that's the stuff that you, you try to help these people out. You, you, you do go that extra little bit, you know? Right. It's not just throwing a tarp. You're actually getting with, something for this that. person that they can't replace. Right. You know? You're absolutely right. Yeah. I'll never forget taking it as a volunteer. I was in a fire room and I swept underneath the bed. And when I came up underneath the bed, I had moved some boxes or something. And I didn't think about it, but I was on the floor of my belly. And when I came up, I actually saw it as wedding albums. So I checked with my partner if he was all right. You know, I said, Did you find anything? He said, No. And, and everybody was reported out, but we we're still searching mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. And I remember I took the wedding albums and I kind of tucked them up underneath my coat and walked out towards the living room where the fire wasn't. And I ended up putting those wedding albums there. They come outside later. Family's out there. They're upset about the fire and everything else. And I went up to the wife. I said, listen, I know it's not much, but uh, underneath the bed, 
in the in the bedroom was the wedding albums, and when I was searching, I I grabbed them as many as I could, and I walked them out towards yeah. the living room, and she was so thankful for that um, because those were the only photos that she had of her wedding, yeah. and you know, I mean, it was where the negatives were in the back and everything else. So even if they were a little smoke stained or whatever, like she could get the negatives and and, and get new photos, but like. She thought for sure it was was lost, and thank God we did because the guys ended up going in there and just douching the hell out of it with water, you know, oh, yeah. to overhaul like hydraulically. It was you know what they were doing that day because it was so hot, but it, uh, yeah, yeah. Those those few seconds, you know, mean mean so much to the family. That's you know. Now for Newberg, I I remember in the academy because I went to the academy with Timmy and 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 uh, and Mike uh, Wyman there, and. I remember when the Newberg bought the engine down and the lieutenant on the engine was like squared away. And we had a bunch of different departments come into the Westchester Academy and you could kind of tell who was who. And the Newberg guys were like the real deal. Like they didn't they didn't yell at anybody. They had this like soft spoken, but you will listen to me when I tell you that this is what's gonna happen. And like how because that that seems to keep going on in your department from talking, whether if I, if I every now and then see Tim out or something like that, or I see Mike, usually, unfortunately, it's always at funerals, but like, it seems like that still happens with those guys. And obviously I know, um, Nieder, so like he's, he's in, and it seems like it's happening with him too. Like how, is that just a, a recipe that seems to be working in the city in the department or is it passed down or is it just, I think it's passed down without us even knowing it, mm-hmm. honestly. I mean, Every place has got its, they've all got their screamers, they've all got their, their guy that says absolutely nothing. And then, but, you, you, if you, if you, like me now, you know, I'm not as much hands-on. A lot of times I go to these fire calls or I'll sit and watch, you know, I'll stand there and watch the guys do training in the morning, checking the rigs. And it, it just seems like, uh, and it doesn't matter who it is, there's, You'll always see a senior guy showing a new guy, and he's not treating him like he's an idiot. He's just showing him how to do things. Mm-hmm. And uh, that senior guy is probably the next guy that's going to be on the promotional list. And, uh, you know, he becomes a company officer. He, he talks to his guys. You know, I think we're, I think we're, I think that's all instilled in us. And we do the same thing, and we kind of push it down the line without even realizing we're doing it. I mean, that. Thanks for the, the compliment, and they are, you know, they, we've got guys that they are, you know, they will yell and holler and scream when things aren't going right, and then there's guys that are just, doesn't matter what's going wrong, they're still just quiet as they can be, but when it comes to dealing with each other, mm. you know, the guy could be a total dope, and they'll still, they'll still keep showing them patiently. You know, like he like he is the next fire chief. You know, they're just yeah. They'll take care of him. You know, you don't want to. Nobody ever wants to see anybody stumble and fail. No, no. you know, and uh, so yeah, I don't know. I know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. but we don't intentionally go out and do it. It's just I think that's just the way we were all taught. Yeah, maybe we taught the guys behind us, and now they're teaching the guys behind them. I mean, we're which is good you leadership, know, is what it is. Yeah, what it comes down to and what it boils down to is leadership and, and just to kind of interject here and throw my two cents into it, I studied my entire master's degree on leadership and, and uh, especially in the fire service and, and emergency management and everything like that. 
And one of the books that I referenced the whole time I was doing it was uh, First In, Last Out by John Salka. John Salka, yeah. So, and I, I still read it to this day, especially when, you know, I'm bored and tired of my night shifts. So I'll, I'll pull it out and go back and read a couple of things. But ultimately what it comes down to, and what you were saying before, it's raising, it's like raising a family. It's like raising your kids. And that's kind of what John Salka talks about a lot in the book. It's following, you know, those kind of traditions and those values and bringing up the leaders below you and in senior guys to kind of have those same values and have that understanding to where they need to be like, all right, you know what, be patient with the guys, understand where they're coming from, and just try. And that's obviously like just kind of stepping back and listening to what you're telling me. It's like you guys don't even realize what you're doing, but yeah. it's just because you guys have been passed down yeah. from the start of it, you know, and obviously you, every department's going to have their good leaders or bad leaders. Like you said, you're going to have your streamers, you're going to have your guys that are more passive, but ultimately what it's going to come down to is communication and, and proper leadership and what you're doing there just by, you know, having the guys show it's, this is how you do it, whether it's good relationships with the public, whether it's taking photos down off the walls, whether it's, you know, showing the guy who you have had the show already a thousand times how to do something, you're still doing it. And we've got and those, it's, it's we've all got those stuff. guys. Yeah. You know? And that's and, awesome. And they will, they will still, they'll, maybe they pick on them a little bit more in between, yeah. you know, like, you know, during dinner or whatever, they'll, they'll ride the guy. <laughs> they bust your chops. But they will still show him. Exactly. Without treating him like an idiot. You know, they'll still show him. Mm -hmm. And um, That's part of the brotherhood, too. And some of these guys that you think would never get it, and those same guys, you, you show them over and over and over again, all of a sudden, yeah, you see him showing <laughs> a new guy. Yeah. Very patient. But the, the guy he's showing is just like him. Just... It's not clicking, right. and he is just mm -hmm. showing them. And uh, yeah, it, it's it it is good stuff, you know. What um, in, in Newberg, you know, and for yourself in your career, what's what's your definition of what the senior guy is? Because <laughs> uh, a lot of people just point to the seniority list, but that's not always. It's the case. not that. No, I I mean, um, you know, when I was in Group Two, you know, I had a couple guys that were they could retire any day. Mm -hmm. And they weren't the senior guys, you know. There were there was guys with less years on. That this this would be the guy that, you know, before the lieutenant would yell at you, and say, "Let me show you something." All right, just do it this way or do this. Trust me, just do it. Um, or the lieutenant would, you know, come in ready to ready to rip you apart, and the senior guy would step up. Look, I already showed him. What he did wrong, you know, we'll continue to work on it. And it isn't always the guy that's senior on the on the on the seniority list. It's mm -hmm. it's not always that guy. But they just kinda it just kinda rises and, and you can just somebody establishes himself somehow. This is who the guys go to with their problem. When they don't quite understand something, this is the guy they go to. You know, when the lieutenant is beyond pissed off. That's the guy he goes into, and he calms him down, you know. Yeah, I. I how do you define that? Because I, you know, I had I had Craig as my Elegant as my senior guy, who just retired and everything else, and uh, people were like, because Craig would be a handful, you know, times he certainly didn't hold back his opinion, um, which is always refreshing, you know, especially at three in the morning. Um, but uh, like there were times where I know as a new lieutenant, I would just like, I would be angry. And I was like stepping away, and he would just kind of see me. He says, "I'm taking care of it," 
and it was like, all right, you know, awesome. Like, and I didn't have to worry about what was going on because he was going to take care of it. So there's always, um, and he, and he did the station chores. Like there was always this thing, like he wanted to clean the firehouse. So nobody was really going to jump in front of him on that one and take his, we called the garbage can as Walker, but, um, you know, he, he took pride in the station and making sure that, you know, garbage just had to be done. You didn't have to yeah. tell him and, and all that stuff. So I think too, sorry, yeah. jumping back in, but, uh, which call? I think too, like the senior man is, he's the heart and soul, right? Like yeah. he's the guy that gets it. Yep. He's the guy that carries more weight than the officer does. Yeah, absolutely. He's more important in the culture of the firehouse than any chief or lieutenant or captain. And people would disagree with me, but I think the senior guy gets the heartbeat of the way things need to be. And they understand the culture of their firehouse or their company, right? Paid career volunteer, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? At the end of the day, they understand how things are supposed to be. There's a right, there's a wrong, there's a line drawn somewhere. And when it, it unless it's a real serious or egregious offense, it should never get to the officer. No. It should always get to the senior man. The senior man should be able to nip that in the bud before it even has to go any higher, unless it's, a, you know, of a more serious offense. But the senior man carries so much weight, and I think part of what I'm seeing in the fire industry, and it's not just, it's not just, uh, it, I see it in my own firehouse too, and, and I'm a senior guy, is I look at, you know, I remember the senior guys when I was upcoming, uh, and, you know, probie, and then a, a younger guy got the line a couple times, they start giving you more and more responsibility as you come up the line. The senior men allowed you to grow in that firehouse. They're the ones that either told you you got to slow down and learn your craft better, or they're the ones that knew mm -hmm. how far they could yeah. push you yep. and, and make you that better fireman. I'm a better fireman for all the brothers that have come before me that have taught me the rights and wrongs, the do's and don'ts, and how far we can push ourselves on the fire ground, what we can do, what we can't do, how we treat people, how we don't treat people, and all that, right? But I think what's happening is a senior man's only as good as the time he can dedicate to the craft. And I think what we're finding in the fire industry and in, in, in this business that we all love is that the senior men, they don't seem to have the time they used to have, or they're not dedicating the time they used to have to the craft, which then allows the younger school of firefighters, whether Proby or the junior guy in the jump seat that, you know, has been on knob one or two times, but still needs some pretty decent guidance as to the rights and wrongs. I think the senior men, as much as we like to point the finger and say that the, the newer guys are entitled and they don't listen, I think the senior men need to start putting in some more time. And I find that myself. I'm a 24-year guy in a, in a house with two engines and a, and a, and a utility, and I'm the, one of the senior guys there, and a lot of the other senior guys have aged out, and they don't even come around as often as they should anymore, and I think that's part of the problem. I think what happens is it's not just life, but it's, it's everything. Um, you know, and so that's that unique part of the culture of the fire service right now that I think needs some attention. I think that the senior guys need to look at the bigger picture. And I, I look at the senior guys to me, the guys that have 30 years, 40, they might not be driving the rig anymore or, or jumping out for every call, but they still need to maintain a presence in the firehouse Yeah. so that there's that seniority pecking order. There's that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the back row guys at the meeting that have had their time in the company. And when those guys start to fade away and disappear, you start to lose that uh, unofficial pecking order in the firehouse. And when those senior guys start to disappear or start to not spend as much time as they used to in the firehouse, like they don't go there every day after work anymore, uh, 
so they're always there, or, you know, this is in the volunteer sector, right? But, you know, I, I still think as senior men, we still need to hold some type of position for ourselves that we need to be there enough to be able to make a difference in these younger kids' careers. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's lacking. And so I think, you know, and I try to hold myself to that, that when that pager goes off as a volunteer fireman at 2 o'clock in the morning for a carbon oxide alarm, 24 years in, I should be able to roll over. The young guy should be able to take that run. Yeah, absolutely. But what does that tell those guys? Mm -hmm. Because if I roll important. over as the 24-year man, the 30-year man's definitely rolling over. The 22-year man, he's probably going to roll over. Then what's going to say, why, why can we get on the 6-year man then? And say, how come you didn't go to that call? Well, you, you didn't go. I don't, but I put my time in. Yeah, but who gives a shit you put your time in? Like, you know, I, I understand that and I respect it. But they have to be led by example. And when we don't lead by example anymore, I think that's where we start to get to the problems. And we talk about firehouses yeah. that have great culture. I think a lot of the firehouses that have a good grounding of culture is because of the steps that are laid before them. And they still have a large contingent of senior men mm -hmm. that are a yeah. big part of that department still. And, you know, I think when you're a new guy... and. You're, you're learning all these people. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're learning, like, what pisses them off, what makes them tick, and what makes them crack jokes at you. You know, you're trying to fit in. Right. And, you know, as you get more comfortable, you see who they are and, and how they act. And maybe not as, well, no, I think in the, in the volunteers, I, I did the same thing. And, um, and, and I know for a fact, when I got into the paid firehouse, I, I definitely did it. You know where you're going to go. Someday I'm going to be a lieutenant. Right. And you have 14 other lieutenants already. And they all have good, and they all got bad. And it, you take the good, and you, you, you like put it in a drawer. And you take the part that you don't like about them, and you just say... I don't ever, you know, I just don't want to ever do that. I get it. But you take all these guys that, that have taught, taught you something good, and the senior guys, you know, the, the ones that were never officers, and in the volunteers, you, in the volunteers, you see a lot of, because it's so limited, you know, a lot of these senior guys, you know, officers turn over. It's not mm -hmm. like they, they don't get promoted, and then they stay that way until they right. get the next promotion. Right. It's, it's the next election cycle. But you can still tell who the leaders are, and and you do the same thing with them. Like you take the little bits that that are good and the little bits that are bad. You take the little bits that are good and you save them for another yeah. time. And you try to consciously think about uh, what would what would Captain Joe have done? Or, you know what would what would Lieutenant you know Steve done? You know, right. and and you just you kind of bring that out, and it works. You know, and that when I when I got See, I was never a chief in the volunteers. For, I just never had the right. opportunity. Right. All the time. Mm -hmm. The first time I ever got to wear a white hat and actually stand outside and wish I was a, a fireman again was 16 years into, 15 years into my career. Right. You know, and it was very awkward. But a lot of the guys that, that I was working with that are lieutenants now and stuff, you know, most of us all came from the volunteers. It's it's no secret, you know. And uh, back in the old days, it was, but it's it's no secret, right? You know, they they were chief officers, so they kind of know what you're going through. Maybe they don't 
maybe it's not 100% the same, but the concept is still the same. Yeah, I still wish I was a fireman. Right. You know? Yeah. You know, no. I'm out here on a sidewalk watching them. But you can see, you know, and, and maybe they bring their experience in the volunteers, they bring it into the paid. And I know in volunteers, I know a lot of the guys that are paid take it take it in there with them. They might be a lieutenant on the job, but they're just a fireman, just just a fireman, like it's something, to, right. you know, in the volunteer firehouse. And they still try to, you can see, you know, they'll take the new guy, and it doesn't matter who it is or, or what you're learning, but they'll give them one little nugget, at least one little nugget on drill night. And that kid will always remember that. That's right. He will always remember that. Something insignificant that to us, it's it's a no big deal. Right. You know, a guy that's got 30 years, right. it's, it's no big deal. Yeah, I've done that a billion times. This kid is waiting for the time to do that. And that guy, whether he's an officer or not, will just take that one little nugget and give it to the kid. Yep. You know, if you're ever in this situation, this is, you know, I carry this because of that. Or, you know, you're checking checking something and nobody taught the kid how to check the belt on a rotary saw. You know, chainsaw, everybody knows how to adjust the, but, you know, but but who knows, who knows how to check the belt Mm -hmm. tension? You're right. You're right. Somebody taught me that and it wasn't a company officer, you know? Yeah. It it was just, it was just a a senior fireman. Absolutely. You know? And and I love like for myself, like I have these little things that I do because I can, I'm a very good judge of character and I can read people very quickly and really understand how they need to be dealt with for the most part and, and how to get the best out of them and so on. And inherently, it's just I think you either have that trait or you don't. You know, I, I, I don't think it's something you can learn. I think it's, you know, somewhere deep down, a lot of firefighters are very similar in a lot of ways. We're, we're born leaders. We uh, take initiative, you know, and things like that. So, you know, I, I can read my guys very well, and I have uh, a couple different personalities in the firehouse. We all do. And the one kid, every time, he's a, he's a college kid, so he's, a, he's away at college, but when he comes home, He's really active, comes out, everything he can. And every time I see him, I said, uh, I said, what'd you learn? What'd you learn tonight? It could be a fire alarm, it could be a seal alarm, it could be a pin job, it could be a fire, it could be just training. And we get back, and I go, what'd you learn tonight? And he's like, oh, you know, Jay, I learned this, I learned that. And I'm like, awesome. And then, I don't even have to ask him anymore. Now we get back from the firehouse, and, and he looks at me and goes, Jay, you know what I learned tonight? What'd you learn? Oh, I learned blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, awesome. Save that. Share it with the next guy. Yeah. You know, um, and, and to me, I, I have another kid on my, uh, that I spent, we had a real bad snowstorm a few weeks back. We got 26 inches of snow. All the trees in town broke. People were out of power for days. Like, we were out running non nonstop. Like, it was crazy. It was crazy. Absolutely nuts. A lot of our guys work DPW and plowing, so a lot of them couldn't be a part of all the coal running. So it was a dedicated group of, like, eight to ten guys that really ran the engine and truck that whole run. You know, that whole, that whole stretch of calls. So I had, you know, I'm an ex-chief and everything else. So I had basically, I was driving the engine and I had a bunch of new guys with me for the most part. A couple, sen- couple more senior guys, but mostly new guys. And, uh, and I was trying to explain to them the, the topic of subtlety. Got to be subtle. We talked our way into more runs that night and we, we got ourselves into more mischief that night because I told the guys and I, I taught them a very valuable lesson. It's all about being subtle. We can go in, we'll take care of what we have to do. We don't need to announce every, to everybody that we're doing this job and this and that. We, you know, you do the right thing. You know, as long as you have the greater good uh, in, in, the, in the view, right? 
we, we could do a lot more. If, if just because we weren't assigned by dispatch to taking that job, if we're three blocks away and seen EMS run, you know what, we can go help shovel that driveway out real quick, or we can get into, we could do this, we could do that. And so we, we ended up doing that. And at the end of the night, the guys are cracking up. They go, oh, Jay taught us subtlety tonight. We learned how to be subtle. You know, we learned how to, you know, and, I, and for me, for me, that's, I love that. Like, I was cracking up because I'm like, yeah, guys, because, you know, there, there's a, you know, walk quietly with a big stick, is that how it goes? Like, you know, mm-hmm. walk you, quietly to carry a big stick. Yeah, it's a right? Teddy Roosevelt quote. Yeah, I mean, think about it, right? Like, I'm you don't, you don't need to be out front with the big mouth all the time. You can sit back and yeah. still carry. And I think that's the senior man mentality. Yep. You know, yep. and, and so it's not so much mm-hmm. as the senior man. You know, yeah, teaching belt tension and the proper way to stretch off the rear of the working end of the engine or things like that. But there's also that other thing, and, and it's that senior man mentality of teaching them the right way to do things. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it could be as easy as, you know, this is how we do it. This is this is the coffee we make, or this is how we greet people when they come in, or if somebody needs directions, I want you to be the first one to walk out onto that apron and give them the directions, you know, to how to go somewhere. Like, be a leader. You know, and I think that's that's all part of it. I think the senior man is such an important part of the firehouse. Oh yeah, without um, a doubt. And and I just don't want to see that craft get lost. And I think we're losing some of that. We're we're losing some speed on that. And uh, and and you know maybe not so much in the in the, in the career departments, um, but certainly in the volunteer houses. No, I, you know, I, I, I one thing we have to remember too is like some career departments, like and I just use mine as an example. We like our senior firefighter now on the list specifically is seven years on the job yeah so now we have the like the senior firefighter has seven years and it's like you know and i'm not like he's he's a good fireman like that's fine um but it's he doesn't have what it was before with the other senior firefighters who had just that because you know i don't like to use the term life experience but there's like time in on the job where you just pick up stupid stuff that you don't know like because that you can't learn in the book like from going on an ambulance call at three in the morning and like old miss you know hackett fell down these stairs in the back and that's when we figured out her basement actually runs up underneath this other house right or something you know like whatever it is like some odd thing and that you know and that's like so i think in the career service depending where you're where you're at your departments can have experienced a significant turnover and now you have these junior senior guys is like i kind of call them like you know it's yeah. seven eight years on and it's it's a good time to have on but now they're trying to juggle this responsibility of what the senior guy is and like i i get afraid that they take it in title well i'm the senior man well you better start acting like the senior well, man if you're going to say that yeah you, true. S- you see that though yeah but I, I think that type of a senior man is, is different, but I know exactly, mm-hmm. you know, my job is a young job. I was just telling this this chief that I bumped into the other night that, um, you know, there's everybody that works at, in my fire department now mm-hmm. was either not there when I got hired, and the guys that were, they were all firemen. Yeah. There's no officers left. Right. So... And I was just talking about this the other night. Who taught us? You know, like, we didn't go, you know, we went through flip school. And, you know, you take, you know, you take a couple classes here and there. But nobody taught us how to teach, how to bring these, these, this, these kids up. Nobody taught us that. Well, somebody taught us. We mm-hmm. just didn't know we were learning. Yeah, right, exactly. You know, and um, 
yeah, that guy that says, I'm the senior man, you go get the door. That's not always the senior man. Yeah. You know, right. he's a senior man on and mm-hmm. on the list, and that's that's yeah. it. You may or may not learn a whole lot from him. Yeah, it's the guy that before he pipes up, this other guy jumps up and and goes to the door to answer the door even before the junior guys do. You know, right. that's the senior man. That's a senior man in the making. Mm-hmm. And maybe when he, you know, uh, yeah, you know, he gets eight years, nine years, ten years. He may not be the top of the seniority list, but you know how that shift revolves, and it revolves. He sets the tone for it, without a doubt. And, and he's not without even, a doubt. And I don't think, and, and most of the time, these guys don't know it. You know, so yep. you know maybe maybe the part that we're we're losing is because, like Rob says, senior men aren't as senior as they used to be because it's a whole yeah, it's a young job. Sure. Yeah. When I was a new guy, we had guys with thirty years. You know, the 25 years, they were still firemen. 30 years, they were lieutenants. You know, 30 plus, you know, 35, 37 years. You know, all the chiefs, one chief had 25 years. The other ones had well over 30 when I got hired. Yeah. Now, there's only one of them. On our job, there's only one chief officer that's got his 20 years in. Wow. You know, yeah, and it, and it didn't take long mm-hmm. to get that way, right? But now, fast forward ten years down the road, what's it going to be like? Because it was such an influx, yeah. That all these guys that had that aged out, they all left to save jobs. Now we're left with a, a very inexperienced mm-hmm. fire department that doesn't see, you know, they don't know that that basement goes under the neighboring house. They don't know that this whole street has sub-basements. You well, know, unless, hey, kid, the basement's in the rear. Let I, me show you, I, right? I, I point it, yep. Yeah, you brought that up before. Yep. Absolutely. And and I point it, you know what? We'll just stand out. The guys are taking a break. And I'll I'll say something about anything. Yeah. Just to point out something that these guys aren't going to know. Yep. I d- but 10 I years do down the road, they'll remember mm-hmm. that old asshole. He showed me that, you know, that the stairs, the stairs for this or in the back, or you know, or whatever, you know, or, or you know, the the main stairs don't go all the way to the top floor on this one, right? You know, yeah, I do it a lot. Hey guys, let's talk about it. Yeah, here we are, Just, right? Tra- training's over, right? We're backed in, everything's washed up. We're good for the night. Everybody's sitting around. I'm like, we're still here. It's a little early. I'm like, hey guys, what are we gonna talk about? Well, let's take the rig out. Let's do, you know, let's do bi, right? Let's go check out stand pipes and sprinklers. Let's yep. do this. It's mm-hmm. it's taking that initiative to be able to teach that. Um, you know, that's, that has a lot to do with it. Yep. You know, and I'll, I'll hear it every day, you know, my office, like I said, I, my office isn't where it's supposed to be, you know, and I, I do it because I want to still stay connected, sure. but I can hear what's going on. And I'll hear a Lieutenant that doesn't have a lot of time being a Lieutenant, walk into the assistant chief, the duty chief and say, hey, I'm taking my guys over to, you know, one, two, three Grant street, you know, right. and we're just going to look at this house, you know, or. You know, and it, you know, or they'll be, you know, they'll have lunch or something, and I'll, yeah, you know, we're riding by, and this place here, it was, it was under construction, so we just walked in, absolutely, and, you know, and I used to do the mm-hmm. same thing, yep. And when I was when I was a lieutenant, and we, the captain that I worked for, would do that. We'd be going down the road, going down the street, heading back, stop the right, pull over. We'd we'd pull over, and we'd walk back four or five houses, and he'd show me something that he saw. Next thing you know, we're walking through this old building just because. Yeah. You know, but 
I'll always remember that building. Someday you'll go to a fire there. You know, I remember one that I went to a medical call in one time. And our guys were at a fire and there was another set of stairs that they couldn't find. And I knew exactly where those stairs were. The problem was I was at home listening to the scanner. And I had no way of telling them guys where the, they found them. Yeah. You know, but I, I remembered them from a, a medical call. You know, when I was a new guy. Mm -hmm. You know, 10 years later, it would have paid off if those guys were on that same call. And they weren't. Something that I, maybe I should have talked about a little more. Mm -hmm. And I didn't. And uh, so insignificant stuff. You know, you pick it up here and there and here and there. But I don't think these, the, the true senior man, I don't think he has an idea that he's really a senior man. Yeah, yeah. He's not that guy that boasts, mm -hmm. you know, right. go get the door. I'm the senior guy. Go make right. coffee. I'm the senior guy. He's not that guy. No. Well, it definitely varies from department to department. Like, the one example I have is for me, especially with, with Frank and Lakes in our department, when I think about it, we're missing almost like an entire generation yes. between my generation and the senior guys. And by senior, I mean like the older, older guys, which is really your generation. Yeah, I'm, so I'm young you're 40s and I'm one of... Maybe uh, less than 10? 10, if that three? Yeah. If that, that are, are, especially with our department, and for us, when I first joined, like, we had a couple of them, but some of them, you know, like, I knew Jay right away was one of the ones that you want to gravitate to and want to learn from. Some of the other guys, they're not as willing to teach you in that sense, and I'm not sure what it was, or maybe just because it's the volunteer aspect or, or whatever it was, but the one example I learned of and, and saw today was we got back from that, that brush fire call, and we had our junior member in the back, and he's brand new. He, he, his family was in the fire service of the department. He just joined. He's 16 years old. And we have um, one of the kids that joined around the same time as I was in the back. And so I hopped out. I, I got undressed and getting ready. And before I could even blink, he's already grabbing the other kid. And he's like, all right, this is how we refill the other water can. And it was one of the things that really caught my eye, caught my attention, is that he always takes the initiative. He always steps up. He has the mentality because of some mm -hmm. of the other guys like that have had the experiences and taught us that, to take that initiative. And, you know, before, like I said, before I could even blink, he grabbed them right away. He's like, this is how we do it. And he showed him right away, and, and that's something that this newer kid coming up and this newer junior member is going to remember and going to carry with him. So, but again, it comes down to we're missing an entire generation in our yeah. department. And I, it, it's not just our department where mm -hmm. you and I come from. I'm I sure it's, it's everywhere. Across the board. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's hard. And, and you know, um, but I think we need to be conscious of the fact that it is hard. Yeah. And we need to be sure that we can somehow find out, find a way this day and age, if things are changing, then maybe the fire service needs to change a little bit too to understand how to combat these changes, but still bring forth the same culture. Yeah. And, and you know, so on. And, and this is this is that struggle. I think we're all struggling with it. Yeah. Um, I, well, I also think that it's an empowerment too, and, that, and that's one of the things that I, I read a leadership book from a Navy, um, a Navy commander who took over the worst... Uh, like the rated worst nuclear submarine in, in, in the United States Navy. And he got on his boat and uh, he was just like, wow, like this is dysfunctional shit. Like, what are we doing here? And he finally just said, you know what? Like, the problem is the officers are like being officers in, in, in absolutely the wrong ways, which is making the chiefs not do their job. And like, you know, the chiefs are the NCOs and they're the ones who, so we bought them all in. And he said, I, I want every chief in my, my in my office we're gonna have a conversation he's like you know he's just said he's like who who runs the navy and they were like the chiefs who runs the navy on this boat 
And he's like, he thought it was going to be like a quick 20, 30 minute meeting of like, you guys are going to start. It's like three hours later, he was walking out of this thing, like, you know, starting to move forward on progress to get the boat turned around so that it was getting in better shape. And that's, and that's where it, and it, and it took him empowering them to be like, you are the one who's the backbone right. and you have to do that. And I think that's another area where sometimes we, uh, you know, you see, um, see examples of where it doesn't work they see examples of where it does work and yeah. like, i think as i think in newburgh i think that's like there's there's uh, and i don't want to say like it's a full-on empowerment where there's this like sit down but people know that they're going to do this this portion of it and they're going to be that senior like they you know they're empowered to to i don't want to say the unofficial leader but they're almost going to be that unofficial leader and that's where i think sometimes we miss is that we don't you know we don't because that's almost stepping outside your normal normal bounds in some things when you're thinking about it administratively you have your your chief your captains your lieutenants and some places you have your sergeants and then it goes down to that right. seniority list and you know so right yeah i mean you know it's just it's it's one of those things it's one of those things in the fire service that is so important yet i don't think it's discussed enough and uh and so on but uh, empowerment's incredibly important i think when when you could take newer members and empower them and support their decisions so that going forward. I mean, you know, one of the hardest things is as a leader is how do you expect the younger firefighters to take initiative when they don't know how to take initiative, right? right. Initi initiative yeah. is one of those things that, you know, when you're on a fire ground, you know, everybody has a job. And I, I alluded to this before, you have your individual jobs that leads to the team, the, the overall team success, which makes you go home. But everybody does their job. You know, if you're the OV, you're operating by yourself. Yeah. You're ventilating the building. Your 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 responsibility. You know your equipment. You know your function. You know the reports you're supposed to make, and you know what's supposed to happen. But you're doing that individually by yourself. How do we expect a kid? And I say kid, and I could be a 25 year old man. But how do you expect a kid to be able to take that initiative and do that job if the groundwork wasn't laid before him to teach him how to take initiative? Yeah. You know, and I I think part of what is happening too is we're talking about the junior senior man and guys aging out and then we're, we're pushing guys up the line quickly um you know in the volunteer sector you know we have off line officers that are definitely aren't old enough or mature enough to handle those positions mm -hmm. um and then we're we're entrusting them to make decisions and then when that decision's made and you go whoa 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 like hold on you know that that might not be the best decision how can you fault the kid Oh, he can't. You yeah. put him in. You put him in that position. Yeah. And that's that's the part that nobody's really talking about. Yeah. Um. And and I think that's that's an important topic to discuss. Is that you have to understand that, you know, yeah, your remedial uh, decision making, it's routine. You know, we, we can do that, but uh, you gotta have the right people in the right spots. And when you start pushing people up the line quickly, um, you know, they start to make decisions that uh, it might not be the best decisions. And and it's all because of life experiences or not teaching them uh, the right and wrong about a certain topic or, you know, a thousand different things. And that's something that, that needs to be addressed more, I think, in the fire service. Chief, real quick, um, I don't really have a good uh, understanding of your department. Can you spray like three engines, two trucks, one nope. truck? We you, have, uh, what do you have one truck and two engines on duty. Okay, so two and one. Yep, and mm -hmm. each of them, each of them staffed with a, a company officer, which could be a lieutenant or a captain, okay. and two firemen. Okay, are guys assigned to a company? So they they can, you know, as you get more seniority on the list, you kind of land in a spot where you don't move. Gotcha. Um, 
when you're a new fireman. Yeah. You get moved a lot to fill, you know, vacancies. Guys are, there's a bunch of guys off on vacation, a bunch of guys out hurt, a bunch of, you know, whatever. Um, then you'll come back. When you become a new driver, this guy, this group over here, this shift has two drivers off on on vacation. You're right. going there for three weeks. Right. And then you come back. And then you settle in. And then when you become a new officer, same thing. But that's all, you know, they move around. Um, but there's guys that are really good at being on a pumper. Yeah. And there's guys that are really good at being on the ladder truck. Yeah, and you alluded and to before, the guys, they do their disciplines, right? They, they, they you know, the, the, the shift, the chiefs that are in charge of those shifts, they all see it. And they, they capitalize on those strengths. Yeah. You know, they may still move them. If a guy's real strong on the engine, they may still move him over to the ladder truck for a couple of weeks just so he remembers where all the tools are because yeah. he could still work overtime. Right. But there's guys that won't work overtime, you know, on that other, right. you know, like right. I'm a truckie. I, I won't work overtime on a pumper, yeah. you know, not because it's beneath him, but he's not comfortable with right. it. Right, it's his thing. You right. know, it's, it's his thing. So right. our guys, they're yeah. expected because it's a small job. We only have 68 guys right now. Um, they'll move all over. They'll they'll work. So everybody's cross trained. They're each cross trained right. because they could work sure. overtime. Sure. And if they don't turn it down, they better know what they're doing. Even if it's not a rig they ride every shift. Right. And they better know what they're and that's doing. That's two engines in a truck, and then you're running three on a crew. Or three on a crew is the minimum. Yep. Okay. That's the minimum. That's the minimum. Okay. So it's a driver, mm -hmm. fireman in the back seat, yeah, and your officer. So I I find that to be um, you know pretty wild, and it's, that's very commonplace across. Yeah. The country. It sounds like Englewood with staffing. Yeah, it sounds it's like a lot of a lot of these little cities, and and I just I look at like the resourcefulness that you're that those brothers have to have, right? Like you know. Yeah, you, you're doing a lot of stuff when yeah. you're running that. A lot of stuff you're doing by yourself. Well, Absolutely, you got to get know, that line to the third the floor. The lieutenant on yeah. that first engine is stretching a line by himself, right. and it don't matter what floor. Right. He's by himself until the guy, the guy riding in the back seat, until he has that hydrant hooked up, yep. and he's got it turned on for the driver. Right. And then he, he, now, here you go. You know, talk about empowerment. You know, could be his very first fire, and his very first week, and it is a fire. He gets that hydrant. Yeah. Runs back to the rig. Puts his pack on, grabs his tools. Now what's he got to do? It doesn't matter where the fire is in that building. He's got to go find his officer, and he's all by himself. Right. You know? Yeah. And he, That's great. Sure, the guy can be making a push on the third yeah. floor. And, and, and he's, he's got to crawl up and yeah, find, that, up. find that company officer. I, and they always they always do. They always. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe, maybe that's how we empower them is because right from day one, Ten minutes from now, you could be working all They're by yourself, yeah. making life and death decisions on something that you never experienced, and you better know what you did in training. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and um, you know, and same with with on the ladder truck. You know, you know, I mean, you're supposed to work in pairs, but three people. You right. Don't, how do you make pairs out right. of three people? Right. Somebody's going to work by themselves. Yeah. And it may not be right in the most hazardous spot but it could be dangerous yeah i mean people die in those spots and, all the time and i'd like to the, where i'm going with this chief and um you know we spoke about it briefly earlier and i thought maybe uh, you could just shed some light on it um you guys had a pretty significant incident that occurred 
yeah. to your department. It wasn't your fire, it was a mutual aid fire. Mutual aid fire. Um, and I'm sure you have a very good working relationship with all volunteer departments around the city of Newburgh? Yep, for the most part. Yeah. Um, you know, Beacon is a small job. Um, they have, they have their across combination. The river, right? Yep, they're yeah. across the river. Right. We don't get to see them very often. Right. Uh, Stewart Airport, Castle Point, mm -hmm. West Point, they're all military right. fire departments, which we do work with quite a bit. Um, but all the, all the departments where we respond mutual aid all the time, the ones that get fires all the time, right. they're all volunteer. Right. And, you know, uh, used to be we couldn't even communicate with them. And to some extent, we can't, still can't communicate with them. Our, our county's made big pushes in interoperability. They have a, a UHF uh, radio plan that they expect everybody to follow. Right. And it doesn't get followed all the time. Right. And, uh, but yeah, that was a mutual aid fire. Our guys were there. They, we get called a lot, a lot more than we used to. Used to be a mutual aid fire was maybe once a month. We go sometimes two times in a shift. Really? You know, and, 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 you know, and we'll go weeks without and then another one. But we do, uh, what I'm getting at is right now, our average, we respond out of the city for fires more than we have mutual aid coming into the city because right now we're still operating off safer grant a lot of times we have you know fourth guy on a reg that one extra guy makes a big difference sure but they're expecting us and we go out of the city and our guys treat those fires just like they do our own right you know we don't care who's there first right we're gonna get there and we're gonna do you're gonna go to work they're gonna go to work and they right. do it and um they went to this uh it was a, a factory um it already had a, a significant explosion, so it was a pretty good fire. The majority of what was going on was in one open warehouse. So our engine showed up. Uh, they went inside with uh, with with the host departments guys. So they mm -hmm. were they were there was two teams pushing two and a halfs into the, into this building. Um, they were they had a lot of fire, and it was you know very hot and very punishing and they were in there taking care of us ladder truck crew they were at the rear of the building they were ordered to go inside there was workers missing reported two workers missing they walked in they said you could see you know light smoke condition not a lot of heat no big deal but they had they kept their train they had their masks on even though it was light smoke you know yeah. how many times back you know oh, I get it. Yeah. you know before people mm -hmm. realized smoke was bad for you we wouldn't have had it mask on these guys had their masks on they they they, they did that um they had no idea what was taking place on the other uh, other end of the building right as it went bad they radioed out it's getting real bad we're backing out they were a hundred and i think they said a hundred and something feet in with these two and a halfs and it wasn't a straight run they were around equipment um they backed those hose lines out as they got to the end of the building the place lit up now, the guys that were in the back, even though it was one big open room, the wind was in their favor. It was blowing from their backs toward the guys on the engine. They had no idea that things were going to turn bad. Go south, yeah. And, and it did. And uh, long story short, those guys, they were 40 feet in. Um, they were engulfed in this fire. Um, the guys on the engine... Uh, as, a, as, a, as it exploded. Um, now, I wasn't there early on. I was called in when things went real bad. Um, 
know, there's guys hurt, and they still went back in to, to look for these guys uh, from the truck. Um, the, the, the truck officer got separated from his, his crew. This guy, you know, he's, he's the guy you want to have with you when things go bad because he's level-headed. Mm-hmm. You know, he couldn't do a thing. He, you know, he, he lost his helmet. His, he was, you know, he got burned. Um, he fell down a flight of stairs. He was hurt. You know, he was still trying to get back in for his guys. Um, two other guys uh, in, this, in this big open warehouse were these pods where the offices were. They, they were only one story tall. You know, plywood rooms where they did like, uh, you know, they had a lab and, and stuff like that. Eight by eight rooms. So they ran behind it. They were on a search rope. They couldn't get out the way they came in. The rope burned through. They walked back behind these. And, you know, it, it's getting bad. They couldn't They couldn't go anywhere. All of a sudden they noticed that the smoke was lighter up near the ceiling. There was an opening about 10 feet up. So they worked together. One guy pushed the other guy up to the opening in this wall. That guy was taking a beating in that opening because that's a vent hole. Sure. He took the time to pull this other guy up with him. The crew outside didn't even have a water source in the back yet. They were just getting a a hydrant established. They were operating on tank water. Um, A senior guy, you know, that that saw what was happening, yanked a, a... a hand line off and just wet him down. So he had time to stand in that hole to, to straddle the wall and pull this second guy up. Mm-hmm. They jumped 15, 20 feet to the ground. Wow. You know, they had no choice. They were stuck up, you know, right. fire venting around them. This guy was holding it off with tank water. We had one more guy. Um, nobody was hearing him. He was troubleshooting his radio. He kept his head. He, he took refuge in one of these offices. He kept going out. Things were bad. Closed the door. Try Mayday again. And, um, you know, there was guys looking for him. Um, so he was he was he, nine calling minutes. out Maydays. Nobody knew he was. He was stuck by himself for nine minutes. And With no communication. No communication. Nobody could hear him. Nobody could hear him, you know. Um, and it's something that, you know, we always knew, you know, that, you got to operate. You got to be able to talk to other fire departments. Yeah. You may not want to hear what they say, but you're still going to follow that chain of command. Right. You're not going to take orders from a lieutenant that doesn't know you. You're going to take orders from your lieutenant, who's taking orders from, from, you know, right. the incident commander, which is is unified. So we had it, you know, off of our limited budget. Um, We've been trying to convert over to this other radio system. It's slow going, but we did have a couple radios. Problem is, the crew had to remove their Newberg radio to put this county radio on. They wear them under their coat. They were both companies were at another call when this one came in. They didn't have time to do it. And they were there quick. Um, but we've never we've never had really an issue where Newberg radio where you couldn't talk to each other. Right. We're usually close enough. Well, we're, we're, every time we go out, we're going a little farther and farther and farther. So they installed a, a vehicle repeater, which would boost the signal, and you could, you could hear, you know. Well, it, it operates on line of sight. Well, the crown in the road, they couldn't reach the car. Nobody really thought about it. We've mm-hmm. always gotten away with it. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. This one time, 
Yeah. It, 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 you know, it almost didn't. So we, had, so we, brother in a building for nine minutes, no communications, calling a mayday. Yep. Keeping and, his head though. And he kept his head. Right. He, he self-rescued. He got himself out. You know, and we didn't, he was burned. A lot of the guys were, you know, four of them, four of them were yep. burned. Yeah. You know, and, um, but he kept his head. You know, they all did. They kept their heads. They fell back on their training and it becomes automatic. You know, um, but, you know, mostly I see, you see it in a career. Volunteers, you know, you only do it once a week and every week it's something different. Where in the paid, you're, you kind of run out of, you're, you're required to do training every shift. Right. Well, it, it gets old, you know, and you just kind of do it. You do it, you know. Mm -hmm. And there's guys that are really into it all the time training. And there's guys that, yeah, you know, we've done it. We've done it. But they still do it. And this is where it paid off. They they, they do this stuff enough times right. that it's just automatic. He Second troubleshot day. his radio. Yeah. He was able to self-rescue. Even as efforts were undergone, you know, we had the guys from our department that were hurt were, were trying to get back in to get to him. Of course, mutual aid was, you know, the FAST team was there. They were all trying to get into him. Everybody was making their way in trying to get to him. And uh, his training got him out. He yeah. self-rescued. He was able to do it. Uh, but it took. It was a long time before they even realized he was still missing because you listen to the radio transmissions, and they thought he was out. You know, no, we got we got the guy out. Well, who is it? Right. Oh, it's so and so. Well, do you have this guy? Uh, no, but we have this guy. He's the one that was missing. I don't think he was the one. That, you know, and yeah. they were going back and forth, yeah. and all of a sudden he appeared. You know. Yeah. Um, so you know, just to. You, you got to be able to talk, you know, and you got to be able to hear what's going on. And I remember year, you know, a couple years back, I, I listened, and it drives the guys, you know, coming up through, you know, when it, when you transmit a second alarm, I was one of the first guys to call in because I was already listening to it on the scanner. They called me a scanner buff, you know, and it used to <laughs> piss some of the guys off because I'd take the overtime spot, yeah, right, right, right. you know, and uh, but I I just always enjoyed coming back because you know it's, it's just you know it's still excitement right you know um and 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 i wanted to see you know when i you know when i was working and there was a fire and chief called a second alarm i wanted to make sure guys came back fast so i always made sure i was back fast i'd call in right away well mutual aid you know one of the surrounding departments from us a volunteer department um was operating at a house fire and i could hear him say um, there's a, an occupant at the back. He's in the window. We need a ladder. And nobody would answer him because that department was busy. But each department that was there had their own radio. Yeah. They had their own radio frequency. Nobody could hear. I could hear it because my scanner was picking up everybody. Right. And I could hear this department trying to get one of their guys to bring a ladder to the back. Meanwhile, I heard this department asking for orders. I heard my department call on the scene, and I heard another department doing something totally different. And they were all operating on their own frequency, and only one department knew there was somebody at that back window. And I'm frantically, you know, uh, calling on my cell phone, trying to remember who's on the shift that day. I'm trying to get them on the cell phone to let them know, hey, there's somebody in the back. You know, yeah. somebody in the back, somebody in the back. They're calling for a ladder. Nobody's bringing them a ladder. And the kid ended up dying. But they saw him. They knew he was there. 
and they couldn't get that message out. Now, yeah, we didn't cause that fire. Yeah, it was somebody that you don't know. Well, it turns out that we know we know somebody that was related to this family, and it's heartbreaking to know that maybe there was something that could have, and if they just, instead of having their own little kingdom, if they had been interoperable with everybody that was there, yeah, maybe somebody could have got this kid. Maybe they couldn't, but all likelihood, I believe they could have. You know, and um, that got me thinking, and I was a lieutenant back then, and that got me thinking, that's not a way to bait. You know, yeah, it's cool having your own radio frequency because you can talk about them and you can talk about this guy. You know, this this department, you can talk about that department, they can't hear you, you know? But they can't hear you. Yeah. And they can't, and yeah. you can't hear them. Well, and I think now, right, like resources, I mean, we're, you know, we're calling more and more extra and, resources. And that's, day, right? yeah, so, you know, the likelihood that you're going to need outside help. And when you're in trouble, you know, if I'm in trouble, I don't care whose frequency I'm and, and who can hear me. I want somebody to hear me. Yeah. And yeah. I, and I think that's the way it should be. So, you know, so, you know, like I said, we were kind of piecing this radio system together. A lot of departments can just, they just have the budget to go out. We don't have the budget. I've been working at it a little at a time, a little at a time. And um, this was like a big deal. So I was able to get a grant Great. to 100% pay for this system. It's fantastic. So now our guys, they don't have to worry about if they have the right radio on. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll have the right radio on, and it's just a matter of which channel are we yeah, right, switching over. Yeah. You know, and that and that comes that comes with discipline. We'll they'll figure we'll we'll, we'll do it. You know, right. so we got a new frequency, we got a new repeater. You know, all this hundred percent, and it kind of maybe maybe the other departments realize it too you know I, i'm not afraid to you know our, we made a mistake uh, and it sounds it sounds like you're in a position too where departments uh, the volunteer departments are relying more and more yep. upon the um the everyday availability of your department now and so if you're going to have that type of back and forth um there needs to be a clear line of communication yeah. there's no doubt yeah because yeah, things don't go bad just at your own fire just that's because right. absolutely just because you're there on mutual aid doesn't mean that you're not going to be the guy that's in trouble and i and I, I think that was an eye-opener for a lot of the job. It definitely was an eye-opener for me, and I think it was an eye-opener for a lot of the mutual aid. Mm -hmm. You know, because there is, it's change. We've talked about, you know, yeah. we talked about it before. Yeah. Firemen don't like, they don't like things to stay the same until it changes, and then they don't like to change, right. you know. But you, you got to, you got to take, you know, it's we're humans. Nobody does like to change, but you get used to it. If you know, you'll you'll get used to it. These guys will figure it out. It'll become second nature. Um, hopefully, the next time something goes wrong, those guys are able to troubleshoot what's what's going on, and they they're able to self rescue even before the fast team can get to them. Like it goes that quick and smooth. Right. Right. And, uh, it's funny because I was listening to uh, FireX talk on YouTube on the way down, and I just let it play sometimes in the car. And, I'll, and I, uh, one of the guys was there, just talking about like how successful fast teams are in their operations, and you know how much effort goes into getting that job done. And like, he, you know, it was like I watched a thousand Maydays because he did this training. And he was like, you know, this is what it was. Like, if it was an obstacle, there's no obstacle. Like, 
50% completed it. You know, if there was one obstacle, 40% completed it. If there was two obstacles, 30%, three obstacles, zero. You know, and then they started going two-man teams. And then, like, got to those three or four obstacles and how much air consumption it has and everything. And, and it really, because it got, because I've been kind of reassigned at work to do that 100 hours of training now to, like, help help the uh, MTO get it, get it figured out. And it's, uh, like, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, you know, this is this is good to check the box, but, like, this isn't what we actually need to be doing. Like, we no. need to, and there's this Navy SEAL, Andy Stump, and he said, like, you need to train to your maximum and then just back off slightly to the point of no return and just back off. Because he's like, if you don't do that, you're not going to perform. And there's going to be a day that you have to perform, and you have to be there he's like and he's and he talked about seal training and the correlations that he he drove up from being a navy seal to firefighters that like you know uh combat is not at our choosing you know location date and time like the enemy is always moving so if you look at the fire it's always moving it's always moving um you know and then other parts of like that you know seal teams are always kind of work uh, with multiple units for for the advantage. Well, like engine truck companies, rescue companies, we're all going to be working for the advantage in that house, you know, or in that building to try to stop the fire and attack and everything else. And um, I was just like, I, I've really been kind of struggling with that because, you know, it's like, it's like this picture is here now. Hey, this is what you probably need to do. And, you know, I just know that between calls from ambulance and everything else, like it's very hard. Yeah. How do you take a guy on shift and put him to that 99% and pull him back? Right. And then be like, hey, great job. I need you to run the ambulance call now. Yeah. And you can't do that. No. But, you know, but that's where we have to be. And I think there's like motivated guys to do it, but there's others that aren't aren't as motivated and it's trying to get them to understand where that, that balance is and, and get them to do it. But. I know our budgets don't don't have it in the overtime to bring no. us back to, to do that for training. training. Yeah. You know, and that's always that was one of the things ISO came in. Then they wanted us to do four hours every quarter of company training, and it, we start kind of rolling back to that one hundred hours. And they're like, "Well, we got to get them." I'm like, no, like we don't. Like we we need the hundred hours because that's what the state says. But we need to make sure that it's realistic so that the guys are are getting what they need out of it. I think I took a writ under fire at Firehouse Nashville. And being from New York, I was very uncomfortable with the whole thing because they were like, we're going to be using live fire victims. We're going to have firefighters in there and they're going to be your victim and you're going to be rescuing them. We're going to be calling Maydays all day. So if it says code red or whatever their thing was, that's going to be it. And I'm like, we can't be using live fire victims. And they're like, you know, and I said to one of the guys from Chicago, I'm like, hey, listen, I'm going to trust you, but just know I'm freaked out about this because we had this incident. He's like, no, we know, we, we know, like we get it every now and then a New York guy comes in. But they showed us the moves in the first half, and in the second half they let these buildings on fire. And they were like, go in and, and, and do your stuff. And I remember in one of them I said, well, can't you just take the strap of your SCBA, SCBA off and wrap it around the guy and then lift him up with your legs? And they said, I want you to try that later on in the afternoon. I said, all right, so we're in this old block government housing and they got 55 gallon drums of pallets on fire in every room and i'm trying to do this and the heat's just like my digital dexterity went away and it was those gross motor skills and and just simple communication of saying ready ready go and moving these guys up and down stairs down hallways up out windows i mean all these you know youtube tricks that we had learned weren't going to work no 
but it was real because like, I mean, and at the end of the, I think at the end of the, the, the day, it was this uh, multi-scenario thing in this building and it was on fire and you had to do like our, our, our team had to lift uh, concrete off of a uh, dummy and it was, uh, or, you know, down firefighters, sandbag dummy, but like we had to use porta powers, and at first of all, I say porta powers in the firehouse, and guys are like, "What is that? Is that a new jaws coming out?" And I'm like, "No," <laughs> yeah. um, but like we had to use those because you can't use airbags inside of a burning building very well. Mm-hmm. And I'm just moving around because it's so hot, and I'm like, "Wow, this is, this is crazy!" And you know, as we're lifting it up, we're cribbing it underneath, and you got like you're in smoke conditions, so you're trying to make sure nobody's got their hands anywhere as you're yeah, you and. Finally, we get this thing out, and we left the cribbing there. We threw the porta powder on top of the thing so we didn't burn up the equipment. But the other guys had, like, acetylene torches. They were cutting um, they're cutting bars. They had firefighters trapped behind bars, and they had a fire behind them. And they start hollering because they're actually getting hot. And they got a water can back there that they can hit it down if it gets too bad. But it adds to this realism. Yeah. And at the start of the scenario, the guys from Chicago, the battalion chiefs and the captains of the rescue companies were there with us, and they were like, all right, you know we're gonna review this, and they're going and they're going through a review with everybody of everything we've learned that day, and it's the whole point of it was they got you off guard, and like all right, good, you got this, and you got this, you guys are doing great today, and all of a sudden this door burst open, and this guy comes out and just like a pile of potatoes falls on the ground, and he's like, get his stuff off and find out what's going on, and there's these maydays coming out, and like they're going through this whole like scenario, and. And it happened so fast, I didn't put my gloves on because I was just like, you know what? Like, I'm listening to this guy, and we're just going to start the scenario. Scenario started, and he goes, take his, take his stuff off. And I go and take his stuff off. I burn the oh, tips yes. of my fingers on his class, and I just quick put my stuff on. And he, meanwhile, he's sitting there, put your fucking gloves on. And I said to the guy the next day on the trade floor, I said, what the hell did you do? He's like, I stood next to that barrel for 10 minutes roasting myself just so when I came out you'd have that experience of having that and, and that you know you'll never take your gloves off again yeah and you, that's crazy and, and you never think about it when you're going to organize yeah. yeah and and it was like it, and I mean my adrenaline was up the straws started coming in on the you know on the tunnel vision and um and it was fucked up because I uh, I made a mistake of wearing my white helmet out there <laughs> so I'd just been promoted and I was like well maybe I can get this thing so, like, they wanted me to be in charge. And I remember I was like, well, I'm, you know, trying to learn. And I said, no, no, you are learning. And, yeah. and that's what happens when you take the test. You get to learn faster. So you're going to be in charge of this. And I was, so, like, trying to coordinate all this stuff inside. It was just, and I was, and I came back. And I said, we need to send everybody to this class next time. And, uh, you know, we can't because we can't afford it. Yeah. Like, there's just no way to, how do you send half your department out to Nashville? Like, of course. Of course. <laughs> We we did fundraising to to send guys out there. Mm-hmm. I think a couple of them did the the under fire. They came back with a couple of those techniques too, and it's mm-hmm. it's crazy. You, you were with my guys out there, yeah, weren't yeah, you? Yeah. I wasn't there. He was. I had to cancel. Yeah, you yeah, canceled. Yeah. But we had a, we had a handful of guys that went out. The guys raised money to go because they saw the value in the training, and they went out. And Rob, it was mm-hmm. funny. I bumped into him at Fairview. Stopped into one day and we were talking. He said, "Yeah, I think I was with one of, one of you two of your guys." And he said, um, "Which I." still remember vividly he said your guys are squared away mm-hmm. and i thought that was cool that's good yeah, yeah. you know when when, a, when a brother that i know just through mutual friends would have you and we get talking he's like i remember your guys because they're solid guys and 
I took that back and I told each and every one of the guys that went out there. I yeah. said, you know what, guys, when when I can hear that from somewhere else that you guys are squared away, um, means you know speaks volumes. You know that's that's cool. Yeah, that really the, cool. The training was phenomenal. I mean, we're not even getting money from Firehouse, so maybe you guys want to throw us an advertisement here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, they, we did uh, company tactics with the guys from Franklin Lakes, and I had one of his guys with me. And it was like we rotated. It was just live burns rotating through positions, except for the fact that the fires were really, really hot. And there was a guy named Pat from uh, it was Roanoke, Virginia, and he was on the line. And they had really, you know, right or wrong, they they're using a lot of transitional attack down there. So like, yeah. he was excited to get in on these fires. And uh, there was one where I came up and I put the thermometer up like this, and then I started bringing it down because I could see the flames coming across the ceiling, and we're doing that basement scenario and i'm like oh he's he's in i got to the stairs and it was that you're either going down or you're not and yep. I, I slid down on my belly and i ran into him he's like isn't this great and I'm like, <laughs> hey i think this is fucking awesome bro but you should probably just pencil the steel in a little bit yeah, right. why i'm like it is the, the fire is going across the room through the hallway punching the wall into the next apartment and he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. So, and he's like, all right. And then uh, it wasn't Tianek. Or maybe it's Tianek. Yeah, it's career department. Right so here. there was a lieutenant from Tianek who was one of the instructors. And this guy barreled down the stairs just like, are you guys all right? I'm like, yeah, we're having a time of our life. He's like, put the fire out. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's like, it's really hot up here, guys. Like, the paint's burning off the walls. And I'm like, oh, all right. Well, Pat, you turn and put the fire out. And we put it out. And I was just, and I remember afterwards, I'm outside, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to take a break. And he's like, we're all taking a break. Like, we all took a beating there. That's awesome. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, well, What is. a great opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's when I learned you don't ever tell anybody from Anne Arundel County that they're being a wuss about stoking the fires. That's right. There you go. Lesson learned. <laughs> Lesson learned. But uh, anyway, I mean, I know we can go yeah. on and on, but yeah. uh, we'll probably we wrap, wrap this up. Right but yeah. Uh, Anyway, um, Sebi, for everybody watching and listening, if you're still here with us, uh, Sebi is our AV guy, man. He takes care of everything for us, and without him, we'd have nothing. So we like to get him out in front of the camera every once in a while, um, so on. So thank you for uh, yeah, coming out, and thank you for all your hard work. Anytime. And uh, Chief, thank you again. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, we're going to have you me. back. We'll do some roundtable stuff, and maybe sure. we can get up on your department one day. And yeah, absolutely. Do some we'd love to, we'd love to yeah. do that, too. We always so, have coffee on. Cool. I love this. <laughs> That's perfect. Guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. Have everybody, a good night. Thanks. Be thanks. safe, everyone. Bye-bye. Terry, thank you. That was very, great. Very much, man. Thank like, you. This was awesome. Run. Rap, Chief, thanks for having me. Yeah, like, yeah. The yeah. fact that you came thank down, you. Awesome. I know it's a commitment for you to you know, no, take time away. Okay. So, Like I said, my, um, my son was excited. You know, he's... Uh, you know, yeah. If mom didn't pull the plug, he would That's all right. Maybe after they watch this, we can talk him into... Uh,